we've seen stuff in remote viewing when it comes to off-planet things of of beings who are, who are like a, a a blob like a blob i mean the natives say that this thing is older than the world they are convinced that this thing has been and always been there on a cave supposedly connects to the sea 40 miles away legend says that the cave is filled with diamonds what is this starting to sound like to you it's very long it's ribbed it's reddish in color it's got a mouth like kind of like the dune mouth with teeth like that and has the ability to spit venom out they would be able to tell the difference between a snake that's 50 feet long that leaves a three foot wide crack Right? I was so hoping the Mongolian death worm would make an appearance in this episode and you made my dreams. Oh, I mean, everybody loves the Mongolian death worm. Monstrous entities were unleashed near deep oil drilling sites. That is according to episodes of South Park. But what if I told you that this was more of a prediction than fiction? Want to see the elusive alien-like squid caught on a Shell Oil Company camera? We're going to show you. Want to know why John and I are scratching our heads, wondering why a sample from a creature of unknown origin or type suddenly disappeared after it was found in a manufacturing plant's toxic sludge pit? Yeah, you know you want to hear about that one. How about up on land, where cave creatures like the greedy Grootslong of South Africa also make their mark? Why do natives insist the enormous creature is real? Is there really a Mongolian death worm that can swim in the sand like in the movie Dune? Well, tune in today for John Vivanco's remote viewing data on the Mongolian death worm, my investigative research into the history of mysterious disappearances, encrypted legends, and so much more. Join John and me, Rob Counts, for another metaphysical show that's out of this world. So if you're listening to the Metaphysical Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or elsewhere, go ahead and leave us a five-star rating and review to help us reach even more people. And remember, got to remember this, you got to like, follow, and subscribe on YouTube, Rumble, Ganjing World, Twitter, and Facebook, so you can always, always find us. John, how are you? Oh, man, I'm doing so good. I'm, I'm, I'm loving this series here. Yeah, this is uh, some fantastic stuff. Uh, we, we hit a lot of minds in the last episode. So I, I thought it might be good to change things up a little bit as we start the second episode. And I think we're going to get into the deep sea because there's some drilling that was done down there that seems to have created a space for otherworldly beings to come in. I don't know how to say that. This isn't Pacific Rim, but something weird's going on. Yeah. Have you have you heard of of this here, the, the deep sea oil drilling creatures? I no, I have I haven't heard of those things, but I can imagine that this would be it's like the underworld within the underworld because you're under the sea, which is always represented as subconscious. And then you're going underground from there. And so it's like double subconscious, like deep subconscious. I can imagine there's some scary deep sea monsters. Yeah. and, And and, you know, what's even weirder is some of these things that are really hard to spot people are spotting them near some of these deep sea oil drilling projects that they have going on. Like, have you ever heard of the, the Magna Pinna or the big fin squid? They're like, dude, these things are like full on like alien spider things or something. Like, look at this oh thing. Uh, got no, that's it bad. That is bad. That's freaking me the heck out, man. I know. It's like, it's like some, how big is that? It's dude, this is straight out of like a, 
what's that guy's name? H.J. Geiger, the guy who drew yeah. the aliens. Like, and that was oh, from video, Shell Oil. Video, courtesy of Shell Oil. Here's <laughs> here's a monster for you all. Yeah. And so, you know, these things don't come up very often. Like, it's very hard to see these things. It actually took decades to get a good video of them to tell even how big they are. So this was filmed 700 feet down and even more than 20,000 feet down, making it the only squid known to inhabit the Hadal Zone, the deepest region of the ocean. That does not sound of this world to me. So how tall or big is that thing? It looks like it's like walking on these very long spindly legs, right? Or I mean, floating like it's straight out of hell. I mean, I'm sure it's like, floating, but it just looked like a massive spider, which just, oh, God. Just, yeah. No. What? 13 to 26 feet long. <laughs> oh, no, man. That's just not good. That's not good. I, You know, we've remote viewed seek we remote view sea creatures we actually do it quite a bit one of the biggest things that we remote view are whales and dolphins yeah and they have an intelligence level that's very high um and they are absolutely beings that have evolved that have come from elsewhere like us i mean we humans are across the universe mammals are across the universe just like these creatures as well and so when you get into <laughs> these guys like this is this whole other genre that we haven't looked at actually that we're gonna have to look at we look at the happy ones at least in appearance they look happy that thing i don't know we're gonna have to look into this because there's something weird going on at the deeper levels of the ocean <laughs> It's almost insectual. Like, right. like there's some, it's like a, a, an ocean insect of the Jurassic age or something. Uh, I just don't, I just, but what does it do? Like, what is it even there for? What, what does, does it eat on? Like, I have so many questions. I know me too. I know. Well, you know, what's know. funny is, I mean, look at this thing, right? This looks like straight out of HP Lovecraft. It does. I mean, okay. So this is a quote from, an announcer on TV in the episode of South Park that we're referring to here. And he says, quote, this time the oil company has ripped a hole into another dimension. The oil company stated that it knew a portal to another dimension was there, but didn't think drilling into it would prove problematic. Ah, uh, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> now hundreds of creatures in another dimension are spilling out into our reality and wreaking havoc. Now it's funny. All right. All right, all right, all right. This is this is gonna happen. I'm sorry. Well, why is South Park and and The Simpsons so on top of this stuff? I don't know. But this is the crazy thing about this stuff is that that if if South Park or The Simpsons is referring to one of these things that seem outlandish, then it really becomes a like a pivot point for remote viewing. <laughs> Getting some real world world research on it and then viewing it. You know what would be cool is if we did an episode just on Simpson episodes and South Park episodes that have yeah. been accurate, and then we remote viewed to see where they got their information. Right, like, exactly. were they really? Are they really just comedic geniuses that are somehow, you know, like vibing on a level where they're getting this information, or are they getting information? A folder is landing on their desk, and then they're writing these. Dude, dude they probably have a chronovisor. Probably, they probably <laughs> literally have a chronovisor. <laughs> yeah, they're in the Vatican down there writing their their, right. their episodes. They all live in the basement. They're all produced in the basement of the Vatican. 
<laughs> right. And actually, you guys at home, we have done episodes on the Corona, the Coronavisor in our, um, in our Mandela Effect series. One of the episodes is specifically on the Coronavisor and the Project Looking Glass. Very, very interesting uh, episodes if you guys want to go back and watch those and you have time. South Park also said that the BP oil company unleashed Cthulhu in all their deep sea drilling. So you just never know what's out there swimming around or trying to take over the world. Yeah. Seriously, this is like paranormal news from cartoons. Okay, it's all real. <laughs> right. They call oh, they call BP in it. They call it DP. Tom, the DP oil company has had another drilling accident. This time they appeared to have unleashed the dark and mighty Cthulhu. The rise of Cthulhu from another dimension brings about 3,000 years of darkness, Tom, where we will all be driven to madness and made to serve as Cthulhu's cultist slaves. <laughs> so good. Oh, my 3,000 years of darkness, <laughs> and we go into madness. Oh, my gosh. Now, That's that so wasn't weird enough. You know, we've talked about how, like, human beings just muck around and create all kinds. Like, we don't know who came first. Was it humans that created Mothman? Was was Mothman here before all of that and started or just kind of came over from another dimension? I don't know. But this next squid creature that we're going to talk about seems to exist and thrive in toxic waste. So creature in plant nine pits, squid-like substance found in November, the sample has disappeared. This is from the Herald Bulletin, Anderson, Indiana, March 5th, 1997. So some bullet from the article, some bullets from the article, an internal Indiana Department of Environmental Management memo confirmed a creature of unknown origin or type was found in sludge pits at Delphi Interior and Lighting Systems, Plant 9. Wait, what? Okay, what is Delphi Interior and Lighting Systems? Like, and where the heck is Plant 9? Okay, yeah. So this Delphi site seems to be a part of General Motors here. And, you know, General Motors is creating a lot of these synthetic products like bulk chemicals, fasteners, metals and finishings, coatings, stuff like this, right? And in, here in this article that we're referring to, it says both the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency and the IDEM confirmed Tuesday that General Motors workers found what one employee described as a squid-like creature when the pits were being cleaned in November of 1996. I mean, think about that for a second. Like, did this, did the pits, did the, the toxic waste create this thing? Did it come in? Like, how is it thriving in there? That's, that's insane. So this is, this is basically their, their dump area or did, did the toxic waste amp up an earthworm <laughs> yeah and and does it thrive in that like toxic environment right, right? like where is it like the toxic avenger in there like that's right. like it as a baby forget about radiation let's just use toxic waste from from this plant to create our like super worms like, <laughs> right i mean that is very very bizarre wow yeah I mean, and, and i mean this is a legit article and and yeah. it gets weirder so so, okay, now keep in mind, the Herald Bulletin is is reporting on this, and they, they got an internal memo from the Indiana Department of Environmental Management, and that, and that memo was dated on that Monday. Sorry, 
A 30-year plant nine worker working there for 30 years said the earthworm colored creature was six to eight inches long with tentacles and possibly eyes. Oh, no. <laughs> Several current workers said the pit contained antifreeze, stripper, oil, and polyol, which is a chemical mixture used in the formation of the plastic bumpers that they create. Huh. All easily obtainable, so you kids could do your own experiments at home. Make your grow your squid at home. Grow your toxic avenger at home. It was a shock that anything was able to survive in the pit, the worker said. There were several of them swimming in the pit, so not just one. All of these squids somehow just disappeared. So the news th that newspaper's editorial page on March 14th, 1997 says, quote, there were several of them and the workers captured one, killed it and put it in a jar. Then the jar disappeared. Environmental experts say the thing in the pit was a type of bacteria that would form when organic matter is placed in fresh water. Fresh water got into the pit when a sprinkler line broke. That just sounds like, come on. This, this is nuts. Like, I am not. So this plant was like in Indiana, right? So it's not in the ocean. It's like basically just a big pit where they're dumping their toxic chemicals. And then they get some kind of either portal opening up or a mutation. <laughs> yeah, and of course, you know, a tabloid picked up the the story after it was in the Herald and sensationalized it, but there right. was no follow-up about what the environmental agencies ultimately found about this thing. And the researcher who found all of these on microfilm in the town where it happened said that they submitted a FOIA public records request to see if they could get any more of the story, and the last update from them was July 2nd, 2022. Now, what's funny, too, is this website, cryptids.fandom.com, actually has incorrect information in it. And it says that this is a hoax that originated from a tabloid, but we easily found that this originated in the Herald and it was a legit article. So cryptids.fandom.com actually got it wrong, tried to debunk it, but we're debunking them now. So there. Right. Right. This was so, a real so, thing. So you can find the original information on it. You can find easily happen. find yeah. the original information. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. That is that's insane. All right. Well, I mean, that's something to keep in mind, like with those chemicals. Don't use those chemicals together. Yeah, and uh, you know, for those of you listening at home, if you think that's all this episode is gonna punch you in the face with, we've got a lot more here. Plant nine from outer space. <laughs> well, there are is footage of giant sea creatures found um, by oil rigs. We can pull up a little bit of this right now before we get on to uh, something even larger, if you can believe that. Now they're down there deep in the water. And for those of you at home, we're showing a video right now and just massive. We don't know what it is. Like I thought it was a stingray at first and this thing just turned into the blob and morphed into something else. I don't think anyone knows what that thing is. You know, I'll tell you one thing. Type, like, jellyfish of some type? I don't know. Like we've we've seen stuff in remote viewing when it comes to off-planet things of, of beings who are, who are like a, a, a blob. Like a blob that, that moves around that is intelligent. And when you get to the sea, they're, especially the deep sea, these, these beings are like 
probably some kind of relative, like humans are relative. That. That's like a blob. So it, we've seen these like blob kind of things like that. On it looks other like planets. a T-1000 after you shoot it in the face. <laughs> Seriously. What the wow. heck? And it keeps getting bigger, man. What is that? It, that's so weird. You know, but, the thing, okay, so we probably have a name for this. And I'm sure in, in the videos and the comments and stuff, someone's going to come on and say, well, that's a nah, 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 nah thing, don't you know? But the, the name of it does not actually categorize and classify what it is on a broader scale, only in the human conceptual framework, right? Yeah. When we look at these things, I, I would say that a dolphin and a whale is just as bizarre and strange as these, right? Because these things are, they've been seeded here. A lot of these things have been seeded here evolutionary process here, but originally seeded here, because we see these things on other planets, just like we see mammalian type creatures like us on other planets. Oh, man, for those of you who are, are listening and not watching, there is a strange blob-like entity that has flattened itself out as smooth as a sheet. It looks like flesh and it's just moving around and almost dancing in the ocean in a really bizarre way. That is incredible. Is that have you, John, have you ever researched this? Like I've heard some people mention this like black goo stuff that is some type of space entity. I don't know if there's any truth to it. I honestly don't, but it's supposed to be some type of highly intelligent or something material. Have you ever researched any of that? No, I haven't. I haven't. You might need to do an episode on that. Like there's yeah, been we're gonna have to. some researchers that have, kind of gone full well, so on. They, so they, well, they, they determined that it's highly intelligent based off, probably off its movements on camera under the You're water. talking about this creature here? Yeah, what you were just saying. Something that's... Oh, the, the yeah, black goo? The, the black goo. It's reminding me of it because it reminds... Like the blobs. We're, we're talking about this blob organism. You know, like if you ever, you saw that horror movie when you were young, right? That thing, that movie terrified me when I was young. And what I what I heard is that the blob movie was loosely based off of some stories that were received from space exploration, that there was yeah. something that entered a, a spacecraft and, and wreaked havoc on the crew. And right. now whether all, any of that's true, I mean, I don't I don't know. I would I would honestly have to do a lot more research and probably John and I would have to do some due diligence in on viewing and seeing what what we found there and whether this story was made up but there were some compelling things that were mentioned well, about it i mean to me it makes perfect sense that there would be blob type life forms out there because we've seen them in remote viewing data and they are they have intelligence to them and can move around and communicate the way you fight a blob is to just you just have to have a lot of blow torches and you just light it on fire just eat it <laughs> just eat it they're like jello man they're good no they're no tasty. no no yeah that's not going to give you a disease not at all it's literally no. like a moving form of like hepatitis a well i'd actually <laughs> rather eat a blob than eat sea spiders you mean, I mean you mean uh, crabs which I are mean, delicious no they're sea spiders i can't eat i can't I, mean, I can't eat those blobs i will eat underwater blobs no problem sea spiders <laughs> f no I'm not, I'm not on the same page with you right now. Crabs are delicious. I don't trust the, I don't trust the sea blob. You know, I'm not going to eat poisonous jellyfish, John. 
this next story we're going to go through is going to knock your socks off. John, have you ever heard of this thing called the Groot Slong? No, I haven't heard that. What Groot, and actually, I'm probably going to... Is that Norwegian? I'm probably going to get criticized for how I pronounce this. Lindsay, maybe you can pull up actually its pronunciation. This is an African or South African word. Um, and this story comes from Richardsveld, South Africa. Basically information that this is a huge serpent that dwells in a cave called the bottomless pit or the wonder hole. Now the cave supposedly connects to the sea 40 miles away. And legend says that the cave is filled with diamonds. What is this starting to sound like to you? The creature coils around a great hoard of gold and gems in a large pool. Again, what does this sound like to you? It's like very similar to what we hear in lore that dragons do. Okay. Yeah. It takes cattle from the riverbanks. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. Koeko native people know about it and fear it. And it's about 40 to 50 feet long. And now if the lore wasn't scary enough, there were appearances in 1998. There were disappearances of people that fed the Groot Slang legend. Mr. Grayson set sail with six companions in the summer of 1917. Quote, I am determined to return to England as a very rich man or a dead man, he reportedly said. He read hundreds of maps and diaries from prospectors. He studied African languages and familiarized himself with their customs, legends, and superstitions. After a lion killed one member of the camp on the first night and injured a second, a third later died of, po of a poisonous insect bite or a snake bite. A fourth became sick and begged to go back to civilization. Two members volunteered to take the sick and wounded men to the nearest village, leaving Mr. Grayson alone. He was never seen or heard from again. Was it the Groot slang? Uh, so only one man ever, a tough prospector named Travis, is said to have tried to explore the hole and live. He dropped his flashlight in the bottomless pit while descending and had to crawl his way back out through pitch darkness. Some say he was attacked by the Groot Slang, but survived by playing dead. In either case, Travis made it out and never went back. Some travelers say they've seen it. One man told a South African newspaper he saw such a beast once, a monstrous snake, more than 50 feet long. Another saw two cr such creatures, but killed one with, with his high-powered rifle. Prospectors once followed three-foot-wide tracks along the Orange River for miles before it disappeared into the river. Wow, that's crazy. Crazy. Natives say... <laughs> The Groot Slung is a spirit snake whose job is to guard the cavern from treasure hunters. Anyone unlucky enough to encounter the creature is instantly overcome by a sense of evil, according to a wildlife official in the Richersveld region. Local natives insist the legendary creature that guards the diamond cavern is not a python. It is the Groot Slung, they say belched up from the depths of hell to protect the richest veld treasure. That's fascinating. It's this, the Koako native people. And they're, they're, these are like bush people. 
Like these are people in the bush. Like they're out there roughing it. They know the wild. They know right. how to categorize creatures in the wild. And, you know, people are like, oh, it's just a python. It's just a python. And they're like, we know what a python is. We see them. They probably eat them. Who knows? Right. They would be able to tell the difference between a, a snake that's 50 feet long that leaves a three foot wide crack. Well, so the original story is uh, calling it the Grootschlang, Grootschlang, whatever. Sorry if I'm like massacring that. Um, that's probably Dutch, right? So that that story seems to be coming from, and the Dutch named it when they um, homesteaded the area, basically, right? Prospecting and stuff. Yeah. So you have, that's an interesting name for it, right? So then you have them going to the ancient peoples of the land there to try and find out what it is. And so it connects with their mythology, suppose. Well, you know, I mean, it's like modern world calls ancient people's stories of reality mythology, uh, which is wrong. So that's really fascinating. And it lives in, I've got to point out, it lives in a wonder hole. Yes. A and wonder hole. It's so interesting that i mean the natives say that this thing is older than the world they are convinced wow. that this thing has been and always been there or it's giving birth its offspring just keeps right. coming back i mean we don't know how we're talking about a jurassic sized serpent right it sounds like um like I didn't hear any description of legs or dragon like creature. So it, it kind of sounds like the Mongolian death worm. Right? I was so hoping the Mongolian death worm would make an appearance in this episode and you made my dream. Well, I mean, everybody loves the Mongolian death worm. I mean, come on. It's got to make an appearance. We had remote viewed that thing. Yeah. John and I have like every once in a while we'll just get onto mid journey and go back and forth and try to create the craziest Mongolian death worth images, exactly. death worm images we can find. Yeah. And we've got some doozies for you guys. That'll probably be used on the <laughs> thumbnail for this episode. Yeah. 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 It oh, does. So it sounds like a Mongolian death worm on steroids actually. Okay. So you guys viewed the Mongolian death worm, the Mongolian death worm. Tell everybody at home what that is and some of the, you know, what you remember the reports are. And then you got to tell us what you viewed. Well, the, so the Mongolian death worm is a very old story coming out of Mongolia, actually. Um, and it, it, it's like, Oh, what was that movie? 80s. Oh, movie. Tremors. Tremors. I love Tremors. <laughs> Tremors is awesome. Oh, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. Yeah. I've probably watched that more than almost any movie, honestly. Well, that movie is based off of the Mongolian death worm, except no what we've seen is that it's smaller. It lives in areas where there is enough sand and enough prey because you're talking about the, the desert, right? So this thing is not super huge. It, it, it goes after more rodent type beings, rodents, rabbits, stuff like that. But it does have the ability to spit some kind of venom that will kill you. And there are legends, there are stories, uh, some Mongolian natives who have been killed by this thing. And when we looked into these stories, yeah, these, these events actually happen. This creature is a real creature, if not like very dispersed. So it'd be a very rare thing. It's like, I highly doubt 
someone could find it very difficult to find. And I know some people have tried to go out and find them, but this, this thing was a real creature or is a real creature. Doesn't seem like there was a ton of them. Didn't seem like there was a ton of them out there. Like there may have been a ton where there were more. So, so in, in ages past, there were more yeah. of these things. And let me ask you a question. So did these things like in the movie tremors, these things just are able to get through this. They, they basically swim almost through the sand. Basically, Is, is that yeah. what they do? Yeah, so you have to have a place where there's dunes, basically loose, dunes. loose sand, essentially loose sand. But you also have to have enough. They're they're like a terrestrial creature that needs to have three D things in order to survive, right? It needs to have some water. It needs to have um, food, animals, other animals for food. And so when you get to the desert, especially the Mongolian desert, you're not going to find a whole ton of that stuff. So the habitats are going to be very very specific. And very isolated. Have you seen the new Dune movie? No, I didn't see that one. You gotta watch. Yeah, well, that's Dune. Dune's another one that's based off of this thing. Yeah, Dune. So d this new Dune movie um, was excellent. Obviously, you can watch the old Dune movie. Good movie. But the, this, I really feel like this movie was the best movie to come out in a really long time. Like previous to it coming out. Just it was a, just solid. And uh, if, you, if you guys haven't seen Dune or are familiar with it, there are these people that have to live in the desert alongside one of these things that travels through the sands and, and basically right. consumes people. And they found a way to walk through the desert to emulate nature so that this sandworm thing doesn't eat them, like just gobble up people. I wish I wish that was real, like that picture you're showing right now. That's that's what I w originally wanted the Mongolian sandworms to be. So, what were these things then? Let's like just a just like a regular kind of. What did it look like? Did it was it a life form that. Well, it looked like uh, the old pictures of it. So, of what people have described, where it's got this. It's very it's very long. It's ribbed. It's reddish in color. It's got a mouth like kind of like the dune mouth with teeth like mm -hmm. that and has the ability to spit venom out. So it is like the descriptions of what people have described as far as we've seen. Has there and been any old photos of them? I don't think anyone has ever had a photo of these things. That's anyone. unfortunate. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And most people just place it in the realm of mythology and stories told by, you know, ancient Mongolians in the area. But, but to be fair, we haven't talked any to any modern Mongolians to find out whether or not these things are still discussed and or if they're still activity. Exactly. They could right. be. Even today, if if there's an area where one has been seen, Mongolians will not go near there, at least ones who live out in that area. They won't go near the area where they, they have been seen because they're extremely dangerous. There's stories of kids being killed by um, adults being killed out in the desert. But see, a lot of these stories are are now, at least when you get to the internet, right? Because how else are you going to find out? A lot of these stories are now basically um, told from family member to family member, or they heard it from a friend kind of thing, right? You know, So you don't know if this is the tele telephone game or not until you remote view it. Right. All right. So who wins in a fight, the Mongolian deathworm or Groot Slong? I think it's going to be the Groot Slong. Basically, get... they found three foot wide tracks. That thing's going to eat the Groot Slum. He's literally going to eat the Mongolian right. death worm. 
Unless, of course, the Mongolian death worm can utilize its intense poison on it, then maybe we have an equal battle. You know, there's that new um, AI uh, system you were telling me about. What's it called? P Pika? Something Pika, like that. Pika, right. Yeah. So what if we ask Pika to do a oh, battle we'll between the Mongolian? All right, you guys, this was a really fun episode. Um, we uh, are going to unfortunately end this episode here because there's just so much we still need to get into. And we want to we want all of that information to be together in the next episode. We are going to be getting into those promised legends of elves, dwarves, goblins, trolls, all kinds of things that there are actual reports about we're going to go through all of those get into them with you we're going to be traveling around the world with those uh you're going to love it <laughs> and and some of them are are closer than you think in right in our back backyard of of kentucky so john thanks so much for being with us and for all of you at home we hope you thought this episode was as out of this world as we did <laughs>